this team is coming in and you know nobody. You don't know who is who. Names, at faces, this team. nothing. You don't. Yeah. And as a floor nurse, I don't know who is who. I don't know their names. I don't, they don't know my name. You don't they even don't know, know if they're a nurse or a physician or exactly. a therapist. You don't know. And that, that yeah. also can be so challenging in a code. It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't even know your name. Right. And you don't even know what I'm allowed to do if I'm RT, if I'm a nurse, if I'm a PCA, like if I'm just doing vitals, like you have, Yeah. it's so difficult. And I think everyone's adrenaline is also running. Right. And it just becomes all over the place. Welcome to The Shift Report, the hottest new nursing podcast in America. And now, your hosts, Miriam Khan and Wasim Moment. The number of codes that we've had in the hospital lately is, I don't know if it's just been me just realizing it more, but it's been crazy. Like, we've been coding patients one to two times a shift. No way. Yeah. And I mean, that wasn't very common before, but it is now. You know, it's weird because I guess you're in the medical center. So you're the, you're in the hub of all the hospitals. I of course work in a community hospital. So we, I mean, in general, we don't really see codes that often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do, you know, we have, but not as common as they are now. Is it like a COVID thing though? Not always. I mean, it could be. It was like in the summer months. Like we were seeing a lot of respiratory arrest, you know, mm-hmm. that were turning into codes obviously, but not not as much right now. It's kind of like a plethora of things. So it's really interesting to kind of see where or why it's changed. Yeah, I wonder. Know? That's weird. Is it like the, I guess the type of care you're getting or i don't know I really our nurse don't know. is overwhelmed and not really paying attention to the smaller cues that you know we normally would in a normal setting or doing our hourly rounding are we you know double checking different things are we assessing patients properly right right there's a number of things that goes into that and i think for myself at least as a floor nurse the worst thing that you can stumble upon is a patient without a respiratory rate and a heart rate. Like (laughs) that is (laughs) literally the biggest fear that I think all of us have is, I mean, not just floor nurses, nurses in general, right. Is stumbling upon a full code patient that doesn't have a heart rate. Yeah. And I think it's inevitable, right? Like, I mean, obviously it's something that you obviously are trying to avoid. I think everyone on every level of care in the hospital is trying to avoid the situation where their patient is coding mm-hmm. or even gets there. So, but it's inevitable at some point, right? It's going to happen. But how do you become more effective at doing it? Because what we, as, you know, even my colleagues, we speak about it. And as a group, we even think that the way they are run is changing and how effective they are is also changing. So, but is it changing in a negative way? I mean, sometimes there's situations where doctors will do things and you're like, man, that's really cool. Like we need to do more of that, you know? But then a lot of situations, it's like, well, why are we doing it that way? Mm. And how is this beneficial for our overall goal or purpose? So I guess today we want to talk about. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess today we wanted to talk about like how to be more effective in those code situations or not even just code situations, but critical situations. So even right. if it's a rapid or your patient's rapidly declining and not technically coding yet, how can you be more effective as a clinician or as a nurse or maybe even a provider, you know, to, to make sure that patient gets the proper care. But before we start, um, please go ahead and subscribe to our link below. Click the little bell icon in the bottom right. It'll give you updates on whenever we have new podcasts out and you can kind of follow along and, uh, make sure that you're keeping up to date with all of our new episodes. So absolutely guys, don't forget to like comment and subscribe. If you are enjoying our content, we'd love to hear from you. We love, you know, talking to you guys uh, back and forth, whether that's in our DMS and our comments, please do give us any kind of feedback, good or bad that you guys feel like is necessary. Right. Absolutely. So to kind of talk more about like your situation or your perspective in the code, What's going on in your head during a code blue or like if your patient is coding or someone on your floor and obviously you have a response team, Correct. what's going in on in your head as somebody who's not in the critical care setting? Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, whether it's my patient or whether I'm responding to a code um, for one of my fellow nurses patients, my first thing is where is everyone? So when I'm walking into the room, am I the first person? Am I the first person coming in or am I coming into a room that's already filled? All right. So if I'm ju- if it's just me, I'm going to help that primary nurse and I'm going to go grab the crash cart. I'm going to start getting things prepped and, you know, try to wait for instructions until the code team comes. Now, if it's already a code, obviously we're compressing, we're doing everything that's necessary for that patient. Now, if I'm coming into the room and the code team's already there, this is the moment where I'm going to step back. I'm going to be available until someone points at me and they're like, hey, I need you to. So-and-so. Exactly. But there are moments where it's just chaos. Right. And I don't know where I fit in. Right, right, right. And there's no one giving any instruction. There's no one really telling you, hey, I need X, Y, and Z. They're just shouting commands. And it's like, well, who is doing this? Like, who are you speaking to? Right, right. Because right. that could easily be someone who they've already, if you're coming into a situation, things may have already been established. So if they're just yelling, they may be yelling to that specific person that they already assigned that task to. Right. Or they may just be yelling for anyone to get anything at any time. Right. So it's like so difficult when you're coming into it Mm -hmm. and it's already been going on versus when you're there and you can be there from the beginning to the end sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's my situation. I show up when the patient's already coded. The response system has been activated by whoever... Mm-hmm. And I show up and usually the best thing I see is when a nurse is sitting there doing compressions. She may not have the monitor on. They may not even have a backboard behind the patient. They probably don't even have the crash card, but they were smart enough to start chest compressions. Yeah. Which is awesome, right? That's exactly what you want. So we usually get up there and we start attaching pads, making sure we start pulling up drugs. Hey, who's recording? Trying to establish roles. So I guess the purpose of today's podcast is to kind of go over a few tips I think that we see can help make codes more effective 
um, rather than just, like you said, people just shouting? How do we do things in a more efficient manner so that not only do, you know, not only does a patient have a better outcome, but how can we have a better outcome as a team? Right. Because at the end of the day, even in code situations, all of us, we work as a unison, right? And the better we work together, the better care we are able to provide for our patients. So to kind of harp on the very first thing you said, for me, I like to walk into codes and I like to be in codes that are calm, cool, calm, and collected, right? Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, you're in codes that sometimes people are just yelling. It's literally a yell. It's a yell fest. It's and it's not even just one person most of the time. You know, we have the the attending physician, which is the hospitalist. And then we also have the ICU doc who comes in with the code team. Right. And it's like, all right, who who am I taking orders from at this point? Right. But so the first thing, ideally it should be the ICU doc because they're they're running it's you their know, specialty. Supposed yeah. to be running the code. But if the code is already being run by the hospitalist, then the ICU doc shouldn't at that point intervene, at least in my opinion, right. because the code is already running. Right, right. You know? Right. And, you know, that's that's the first thing is like when you're walking in those situations, there's absolutely no u- reason to yell. Like people start yelling things across the room and things get lost in translation or people don't even know that someone's trying to communicate with them. And it's like, hey, man, go get that. Go do this, that. And everyone's just like, who are they even talking to? Right. You know, and, and I, everyone's just dumbfounded. You know, a lot of it also has to do with this team is coming in and you know nobody. You don't know who is who. Names, at faces, this team. nothing. You don't. Yeah. And as a floor nurse, I don't know who is who. I don't know their names. I don't. They don't know my name. You don't, they even don't know, know if they're a nurse or a physician or exactly. a therapist. You don't know. And that, that yeah. also can be so challenging in a code. It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't even know your name. Right. And you don't even know what I'm allowed to do if I'm RT, if I'm a nurse, if I'm a PCA, like if I'm just doing vitals, like you have. Yeah. It's so difficult. And I think everyone's adrenaline is also running. Right. And it just becomes all over the place. And that's, you know, so our first tip is stop yelling. So absolutely stop yelling at each other. Like you can, in a moderate tone, be very effective at coding a patient. You don't have to yell Mm -hmm. and shout and speak at a million miles an hour. Like there, you know, when you actually take a step back, a code situation is pretty like lengthy. It can be. Yeah, it can. So be. when you're doing pulse checks between like compressions, two minutes is a very, 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 very long time. And you won't understand that until you're the one doing compressions. Yeah. <laughs> because you're waiting for that next round to, to stop, you know? So take your time, like relax. Let the person doing compressions do compressions. Speak normally to people, turn around. If you're in the room not doing a damn thing, take a step outside. You know, just get out of there. Get rid of the cluster. Mm-hmm. That'll automatically help bring everyone's, you know, volume down. If you're uh, recording and keeping time, stand next to the people drawing up drugs. Stand next to the team lead so you're not having to yell across the room at them. Sometimes and way too often, the timekeeper will be by the door. And the patient's like 10 feet over there. And they're yelling, Pause! <laughs> You don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, if you're in a good position, you can just say, pulse check, guys. Boom, done. You know, it's very simple. 
Um, two, to go back onto what you said, the second tip is clearly identifying a team leader. So like you said, sometimes the hospitalist or the internal medicine doctor, whoever it is, the primary care team is already there. The code was activated. And then it seems like in your facility, there's a response team that shows up from the critical care area, right? which also comes with the physician. So where does that team kind of meld or mold into what's already in progress? So the second part of that is to also identify who you are and identify where the needs are at that time. Right. If you already got two people doing compressions, do something else. You know, say like, hey, I'm going to do meds or, hey, I'm going to try to get IV access mm -hmm. or I will work on intubating. You know, the primary care team may not be comfortable intubating the patient. As an ICU physician, you can come in and say, hey, you need an airway? I got you. Right. You continue running the code. And then you can always stand next to each other and say, hey, what's going on? Where are we at? Right. In a nice, calm tone. Yeah. It's very effective if you do it right. You know? The third tip, I guess, kind of goes in line with who arrives to the bedside is to temper your ego. You know? And I'm sure you've seen egos. Oh, egos are, they're a thing. They're very much a thing. I mean... It, like I said, it becomes a yell fest. It's like whoever is the loudest is who people are going to listen to. Yeah, and the negative perception of whoever is the loudest is also the smartest. And I've learned the right way, the hard way that that's not always the, the truth. Yeah. So no, that's not always true. <laughs> but yeah, tempering your ego. Like if you walk into a situation and you are unable to do something or you're doing compressions and you're getting tired, don't be ashamed to say like, yo, I'm tired. I need help. Yeah. Or I can't get this line. Or, hey, call anesthesia because I can't get this airway. You know, but people get so caught up in, oh, me, 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 me. It. It's a, it just becomes it. about them all of a sudden and not the person laying in bed trying to fight for their life. You know? Yeah. So tempering your ego is very, very important, I think. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, just because you're louder or, you know, you, you think that you know what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean the person next to you knows nothing. Right. You right. know, they can easily know just as much as you. Maybe they know more about the patient than you do. Absolutely. So it's, there has to be a balance of power here. Yeah. You know, not, no one person is greater than the other in a code situation. We're right. all equal. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to get this patient back. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really just, you know, staying calm, relax like we are all here we're all here for the same purpose the same reason not one person is greater than the other and don't think that you are right right and just be a sense of support you yeah know, when you show up and someone needs help with something offer support don't just run run in there and just take over the situation because that usually confuses things right confuses things for people not only that are participating in the code or you know have some sort of vital task or role during the code but it confuses things for everyone involved including family members sometimes you're like okay well who's this guy now mm -hmm. where did he come from right you know and, and i mean and at that time family may not matter as much during because it's our job to summarize debrief you know reinforce what happened mm -hmm. after but i think it's a lot about your attitude you know when walking into a situation like what are you here for 
And how are you portraying yourself to people around you? Because, yeah, the patient might have a bad outcome or you may not be as effective as you could have been if you had the right attitude. But the people that you're working with next time, they're going to remember that. Mm -hmm. And they may not be as responsive to you the next time. And you might be burning some bridges. You know what I'm saying? That's so true. But also like, you know, kind of going with that, you know, running into a room, guns blazing. At the same time, if you go into a code, a room that has a code going on, and you see that there are enough people there, just stand back. Don't don't even bother. If, if everything seems like everything is going right, they're like, we don't need you. Don't embarge. Keep as minimal people in there as possible so that the code can run. Yeah properly i mean there's times where you know we we get code pages all the time as a rapid team but sometimes we're on the other end of the hospital and by the time we get there code teams are already doing what they do and we're sitting here with our io kits Mm -hmm. sometimes all i do is step in make sure that they have access don't even ask anybody i just glance and as soon as i know they have access i leave right because they don't need me in that situation Mm -hmm. right there's plenty of things happening and the right people are there and they're efficient, let's move on. There's other patients in the hospital, you know? You know, I've uh, one thing I liked about my old facility versus the one that I'm at now is that at my old facility, if there was a code or a rapid called, every single nurse is supposed to respond. Every single nurse on that floor should go to the room. Right. Now, that's to ensure that they have enough people in that room to run a code mm-hmm. before the team gets there. Right. In my hospital now, we don't have such an implicant implication. Like there be there'll be a code called and there'll be just the primary nurse in the room doing everything by herself and everyone else on the floor is kind of doing their own thing. That's more of a culture thing, don't you think? Yeah. And I think that that's not fair. Yeah, It's like everyone should have that obligation to back up that nurse and help her in this crazy time. Or just being there for your colleagues. I mean, where I used to work previously to this job now, we used to have almost the entire unit in the room when an admission came in. Mm. It's not even a code. You know, just helping each other out, getting it done, because it can take forever. It can, yeah. Um, So moving on, um, we have two more tips that we can share. The fourth one is not giving open-ended statements, and you mentioned this not too long ago. But if you are a team lead or you need help with something, don't just say, like, somebody go get this. Because you know how many people are going to go get it? Absolutely Mm. zero. Yeah, no one. No one's going, you know, because either one, they're already doing something, or two, they're just not going to take the initiative to do it. You know, and in situations, there might be people who are like, yeah, I'm doing it. That's my job, you know, Mm -hmm. but how often does that happen? How about you just assure that somebody is going to do it by saying, hey, Miriam, go get, um, go get the crash cart. Yeah. Go get the AED. Go get the intubation supplies and go get some drugs. Yeah. You know, say somebody's name. And if you don't know their name, point at them. Say, are you currently doing something? Go get this. You know, and really identify a responsible person or responsible party for that task. I think that's really important. I think that is so important because that can just get lost in translation. Hey, I need X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, 
me and the nurse next to me are looking at each other like, are you going to go or am I going to go? Right, right. So just avoid all that confusion. Right. The last tip we wanted to share is to give constructive feedback, whether that's during the code or after the code is over in somewhat of a debriefing session. But if you feel like somebody can be doing something better, don't be punitive about it. Don't say, oh, man, you suck at compressions. No, no, no. Hey, compress a little deeper, compress a little faster. Hey, slow down, allow full chest recoil, whatever it is, right? Or, hey, bag a little slower. Or, hey, can you push these drugs quicker? Or let's work on getting this. Being constructive is the best way to achieve the best possible outcome in an effective way that turns out having good outcomes for your patient. And then two, those people now have learned something or have kind of registered something in their mind to do something better the next time. Right. Whether that's a critical care staff member or not, there are situations where, you know, non-critical care staff members are asked to do things that they're not comfortable with. Right. But now they're going to be comfortable with it the next time. That's so true. So help people grow. Like this is a growing process for everyone. And in situations, people need to understand that not every individual is comfortable in situations like these. Yeah. You know, I'm exposed to these situations much more often than you are. Oh, absolutely. So I'm much more comfortable in those environments. I can expect you to feel just as comfortable as me. But I think it's upon me to give you that feedback or that wisdom or knowledge to help you feel comfortable next time. Because not only are you going to be an asset to me next time, you're going to be an asset to that patient and for everyone else around you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those are the top or at least the five tips. There's a million tips that we can probably share to make codes more effective. But to kind of round back, stop yelling at each other. You do not need to yell. I've worked with doctors that have been so calm during codes and have done things so efficiently and so effectively. Isn't that just the best though? It is. They're awesome. And I love them for it. But it doesn't need to happen. And it's crazy because COVID is limiting how many people jump into code rooms. And I'm actually enjoying COVID codes. Yeah. Because there's only like five people in there or sometimes four or whatever. And and it can run. It's perfect. It can run efficiently. So yeah, stop yelling. Clearly identify a team leader. Clearly identify your role as a code team member. Temper your ego. Watch your freaking ego. If you can't do something or you're tired, be willing to hand it off to somebody or just just say, I can't do it. It's okay. No one's going to think negatively of you. Four, never give open-ended statements. So always establish a clear person to achieve something. And then five, always give constructive feedback and round back about the code status. Talk, debrief, see what you guys could have done better as a unit because it'll only help your team moving forward. So that's pretty much it as far as the code situation. Honestly, those five steps will probably make codes that much easier to run by. Um, and and honestly, for me, for a floor nurse who I'll be the first to admit, we don't see codes often. I, If I'm in a code, I would feel comfortable, but I also wouldn't feel as comfortable as you or as comfortable to actually run the code. Yeah, just all exposure. Myself. Like yeah. it, it, I just don't have the experience. Right, right. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But just, just those tips yeah. right there help tremendously. Right, right. And I hope people can take this stuff back to their teams and kind of implement these things. Um, and I think it'll help. I think it'll help people be more effective. And the most important thing is I think it'll have better outcomes for our patients. Mm-hmm. And... I know it's difficult in some situations, but 
just be calm, man. Just relax. Like it's not, it, it is a matter of life or death. I won't say it's not because yeah. it, yeah, it is, but you don't have to be crazy about it. Just chill the f- out. You know what I'm saying? Just relax. Try to control that uh, crazy adrenaline rush that yeah, everyone gets. Exactly. And it's hard at times, but do your best to do it. Next week, we're going to talk about hyperkalemia, uh, you know, a situation that can lead to codes. Right. And how to prevent or not prevent, but to treat it when you are in a situation and your patient's hyperkalemic or their potassium levels elevated. But before that, we have some great posts on the code situation we've put on our Instagram. So follow us there. We've also put some posts out about hyperkalemia if you want to get a head start on that. Yep. We'll be podcasting pretty soon here. So we'll drop the hyperkalemia episode probably in the next two weeks or so. Um, Thanksgiving's coming up, so we might very well take a break and kind of be with family. We wanted to appreciate and thank everybody who's been listening thus far. We really appreciate you guys following along. It's kind of keeping us motivated to continue making these podcasts. Um, And I know both of us enjoy it and have a great time with it as well. So much fun. So remember to subscribe. You can hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram. Hit that icon in YouTube, that little bell icon. It'll give you updates and alerts. Um, You can sign up and subscribe to our podcast and our email list by visiting www.therealistrn.com. And that's it. That's it. It's a wrap episode nine. Don't be a maniac during those codes. Trust me, it doesn't help. Thank you for listening to The Shift Report. Be sure to check back every week to get real-time advice from The Realist Nurses. Or follow us at therealistrn.com.